You're on the Plants Grow Here podcast. I'm Daniel Fuller. Come along with me as we enter a hidden world of deep horticultural, ecological and landscape gardening knowledge with featured experts, industry professionals and enthusiasts. Amenity horticulture is more than just mowing, pruning plants and spraying weeds. There are literally hundreds of different career pathways that you can take, moving between different sectors of the industry. In this episode, I'm going to explore 10 steps that you can take in your amenity horticulture journey, from production to maintenance and beyond. It's based on a two-part article that I've written for the Hort Journal for this month and next month, which has become a webinar that I've also delivered for TAFE New South Wales students. The first step on our journey is production. Unless a gardener is propagating their own plants, generally plants in the urban landscape begin their life in a commercial production nursery. They can either be propagated via a cloned cutting or through seed growing. While the demand's currently high for nursery production staff, much of this work is simple and can be repetitive, meaning that it might be replaced by automated machinery. There will always be a need for humans to run certain parts of the business and operations, although it's unclear how much automation will impact careers in this sector. Starting as a horticultural technician, a professional can progress to become production manager or even run their own nursery. Sometimes they go on to become breeders and cultivate entirely new varieties of plants. While there's technically no qualification needed to enter the sector, a Certificate 3, 4, Diploma or Bachelor's degree in Horticulture or Botany is beneficial. Key skills include understanding plant biology, soil science and the impact of climates and microclimates on plant growth. The second sector that we'll be going over is the retail sector. This pathway involves selling plants and horticultural products directly to consumers. This might be through retail nurseries, garden centres or even direct-to-consumer farmers markets. There are as many types of retail nurseries as there are plants, well, almost. Some retail nurseries specialise in a particular type of plant such as Australian natives, tropical indoor plants or carnivorous plants. Other nurseries sell all types of plants, such as that well-known hardware shop in the big green shed. Garden centres are retail nurseries that have transcended simple retail spaces. They have a cafe and they're places where visitors can catch up with friends for brunch and then take a few plants home. Being a retail nursery professional requires a good understanding of customer service, market trends and product knowledge. Retail professionals need to be able to advise customers on the best plants for their needs and provide care instructions. If you're working in this sector, you'll probably start out as a sale assistant, then progress to store manager or buyer roles. After that, you might choose to buy your own or start your own garden centre or retail nursery. While a qualification in horticulture, business or retail management can be advantageous, All that's really needed to enter this sector are customer service skills and a willingness to learn about the products you're selling. The third sector is plant breeding. Plant breeders work to develop new plant varieties that are more aesthetically pleasing, resilient or better suited to specific environments than their predecessors. You'll combine scientific knowledge with creative vision, resulting in plants that enhance our landscapes and gardens in new and exciting ways. The plant breeding process can be time-consuming, often taking several years from the initial cross-pollination to the release of a new variety. Breeders have to carefully monitor and record each step, ensuring the desirable traits are passed on and any undesirable traits are eliminated from the plants. 
Once you've got a successful new cultivated variety, you can register the plant breeder's rights, PBR, and you then have the sole rights to sell your plants. You can also license them to other growers and retailers while taking a cut off of each sale. A degree in botany, biology or horticulture with a specialisation in plant genetics is pretty typical. The fourth career pathway includes design and architecture. So garden design and landscape architecture are both involved in designing aesthetically pleasing and functional outdoor spaces. So this could include public parks, domestic gardens and commercial landscapes. Professional in a design or architecture pathway need a keen eye for design, a deep foundation of plant knowledge and strong project management skills. Anybody can call themselves a garden or landscape designer even if they've never stepped foot in a garden before. A few years of experience in landscape construction or maintenance will be a big help though because you'll have actually experienced firsthand how these plants behave in the landscape once the designers and once the landscape construction crew have left. A formal certificate or diploma is of course recommended so that you've gained the skills necessary to successfully design landscapes. Design jobs tend to be rarer than other roles in the amenity horticulture industry because it takes a lot more human hours to actually construct or maintain a garden than it does to design it. You might get lucky and land a job with a company, but most designers that I know work for themselves. Landscape architecture and design aren't actually interchangeable terms, even though I've included them under the same banner here. A landscape architect in Australia requires a degree in landscape architecture as well as formal registration with the Australian Institute of Landscape Architects, or AILA. This is a higher level of attainment than a garden or landscape designer. The fifth pathway is landscape construction. Landscape construction is all about turning those designs into a reality. It involves tasks such as site preparation, planting, installing hard landscape features like ponds or paths, and setting up irrigation systems. On top of these construction skills, a good landscaper has a strong knowledge of horticulture as well. This pathway requires a lot of physical fitness, practical skills, and a good understanding of construction methods and materials. With the increasing complexity of landscape designs, Skilled landscapers are in high demand. You might begin your landscape career as an apprentice, where you can earn while you learn, even if it's a lower wage than you could get as a labourer. However, many landscapers begin as a labourer and then study for their Cert 3 or above part-time while they work. This means that you'll have to pay for your own studies, but you can earn a higher rate per hour on the tools. After a landscape's been constructed, it needs to be maintained, which brings us onto the sixth career pathway, landscape maintenance. Many people in the amenity horticulture industry begin their journey in this sector, mowing lawns, trimming hedges, and spraying weeds. Including me, this is actually where I started my horticulture career. It's often thought of as low-skilled work, and that stereotype is often true with many people working in domestic, commercial, and public landscapes lacking a formal qualification. Many landscape and parks and gardens maintenance professionals consistently chip bark off the bases of trees with their brush cutter, malprune trees and shrubs, and reach for the chemical pesticides too quickly. We can often lack the basic understanding of each plant's needs, and so we can encourage plant health issues without understanding what we're doing. However, a maintenance operator that has strong horticulture knowledge can do a much better job than one of these petrol cowboys. 
A sound understanding of subjects like biology, soil science, plant identification, irrigation, and integrated pest management, or IPM, can really separate you from the crowd. Having started as a maintenance operator myself, I believe experience in this sector sets you up for success because you've seen what happens to a garden after everybody else has long forgotten about it. You can move into any other sector of the industry from here. For example, you could be a leader, supervisor or manager, which brings us to the seventh career pathway. Transitioning into a leadership or management role is a natural step for many of us who've been working in any of the previously mentioned sectors. Once you've learned how to do the job properly, you might be promoted to overseeing others who are working on the tools. The terminology can differ from workplace to workplace, but a team leader often refers to someone who's working on the ground, such as the person who's driving the ute and writing notes in the phone. They're the ones directly responsible for the final outcome of works performed. It sounds like a glamorous job, but it's not for everybody. There's more stress involved due to the extra responsibility, and managing people can be quite difficult especially when you're not the one who's curating the team. There's usually only a slight increase in pay at this level compared with the people you're supervising as well. After a few years of leading smaller crews, you can work your way up the ladder to supervising the depot, managing contracts, or even becoming CEO of a larger company. This is where the pay can increase significantly. While it's easy enough to reach team leader positions at smaller companies, if you'd like to progress to higher levels of management, you'll need to join a larger company. Above and beyond technical horticulture-related qualifications, a qualification in business or management can be beneficial but isn't always required. A larger company will often invest in your career progression if they believe you've got what it takes. The eighth pathway is sales. Not everybody wants to progress into a management role, but at a certain point, you might want to get off the tools. Sales is a pathway that most people never really consider, but you can earn a lot of money in this sector without putting your body on the line every day. Sales roles in amenity horticulture involve promoting and selling products or services to businesses or consumers. This can involve working for a company that sells chemicals and fertilizers, gardening equipment manufacturers, or larger landscaping companies. Sales professionals need excellent communication skills, persuasive abilities, and a good understanding of their products. There are formal sales, marketing, and business qualifications, and those are great. However, you don't need one of those to get a job as a salesperson. In fact, you don't even really need any experience in the industry at all, but it sure helps. If you're able to speak the same language as the people you're selling to and answer their specific questions, it'll be easier to earn their trust. Forget the stereotype of the sneaky snake oil salesman. A good salesperson acts with integrity in the service of their clients, helping them to find the best solution for their particular problems. It's a highly honourable and virtuous job that you should be proud to undertake. The ninth pathway is education. After a significant amount of time working in the industry, you might be ready to give back to the next wave coming into the industry, as well as seasoned industry pros who are upskilling. Education roles in amenity horticulture usually refer to nationally accredited TAFE teachers, which requires a formal qualification in your industry, significant ongoing experience, and a training and assessment qualification, which is usually a cert for in TAE. However, there are also informal qualifications that require teachers, such as the Permaculture Design Certificate, or the PDC, which is taught at farms and community centres. 
There are also other informal courses offered by registered training organisations, or RTOs, like ACS Distance Education, which don't require teachers to have their TAE qualification. Not everybody was born to be a teacher. It requires serious emotional intelligence, empathy, and an ability to communicate complicated concepts to people who may not understand initially. There are roles in person and remotely online. University-level lecturing usually requires a strong academic background with research experience and sometimes a PhD, but that's different to the types of trade teaching that I'm talking about here. The tenth and final career pathway that I'll be talking about today is media and content creation. If you're willing to work for free and you understand that seeking approval from strangers is a fool's errand, but there's something inside of you that just loves sharing plant knowledge anyway, maybe you're built for media and content creation. Whether you're interested in short-form or long-form videos, photos, audio, or text content, there are dozens of platforms for you to get your message out there. You can create content for TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, podcasting platforms, blogs, print magazines, and potentially even TV production. You're not going to be the next Gardening Australia presenter overnight, and it'll probably take years of dedication to your craft before you gain a significant following that you can monetize. A media channel is a way to build an audience, which you can then monetize by offering products, services, informal courses, or advertising spaces. A career in media and content creation carries a higher responsibility than almost any other sector that we've talked about so far. If you stuff up a few plants in production, or you design a public garden poorly, you're only affecting a few people. If you spread misinformation on the internet, you can make hundreds or thousands of novice gardeners fail and then give up on gardening. At least a TAFE teacher is held to a certain level through regulations and they have preset coursework that they have to teach. They aren't just making stuff up on the fly like you have to as a content creator. If you're self-starting, you don't need any formal qualifications in the field, although they can add credibility to what you're saying. Just know that if you haven't done the hard work in the garden, it'll be obvious to potential audience members that may know more than you do, And that could be a little bit embarrassing. Words like often, usually, and sometimes are your friends. Use them in place of always because there's usually an exception to each piece of advice that you offer about plants. Amenity horticulture is more than just mowing lawns, pruning plants, and spraying weeds. It's a rich industry with literally hundreds of career trajectories that you could take moving through the different sectors. Of course, I didn't touch on every sector that you can work in. I didn't even go into the vast range of jobs available in green infrastructure, arboriculture, soil science, integrated pest management, or consultation. If you're serious about a career in the Australian horticulture industry, you can browse over 60 job categories on hortpeople.com. Upload your resume for free and let employers chase you for a change. Tick the best job categories for the jobs that tickle your fancy, and if you're just starting your career, you can tick the new to the industry category, so that employers looking for new blood in the industry can find you. 